0: Hey everybody, it's Topher and Jeff here. Um, Just crazy times in the world right now, and uh, we didn't really feel it appropriate to uh, do our typical intro, um, but we're really excited for this episode here today. Uh, We are bringing on Leon Hayward, who is one of the two African-American coaches in Division One men's hockey and uh, we had a great conversation about what's going on in the world right now. And so to hear his perspective and to get his view uh, as an African-American man on, on the state of the world and everything that's, that's transpired here was uh, very, very powerful. And before we headed on over to Leon, uh, just a little bit of his background. Uh, grew up in Seattle and ended up going to Northeastern University. Uh, Played 350-plus games professionally after that. Spent nine years as a prep school coach in the New England area and uh, has been at uh, Colorado College for the last couple years. Great, great human, as you'll see on this podcast. And before we did get there, I wanted to read something, and we're going to read it again on the podcast, but just to give you a sense of of what we'll be talking about. And this is what Leon wrote uh, after the tragic killing in Minnesota last week. I'm devastated. I'm devastated for George Floyd and his family. I'm devastated he wasn't allowed to breathe. I'm devastated that our America is still divided and so angry in 2020. Honestly and selfishly, I'm most devastated that I have to explain to my boys that some people don't like their dad because of the color of his skin. They simply cannot understand. They cannot understand why anyone would want to intentionally hurt or murder someone else because of their skin color. It is tougher than I could ever imagine having these conversations with my boys. I'm devastated for the law enforcement officers that do their difficult job well. I'm lucky to be in Minneapolis regularly recruiting and I'm devastated for all my friends in Minnesota. I despise the looting, the fighting, all the media on every side that ignites much of the mess on these days. I'm devastated we all don't have a leader. I'm devastated that the sport I love still has so much work to do and that up and coming boys and girls of color don't always feel that hockey is for everyone. I love hockey. I love my players, and I love everyone who is helping to make our game be better. It is a delicate balance as a minority coach in a majority sport, but I love my hockey family. But sadly, we are well past can't we all just get along. We need real change, real systemic change in America. We all have the power to help make this change, and we won't have change until we all step up together. Sending love to everyone who is hurting and helping. Hashtag I can't breathe. Hashtag be anti-racist. So without further ado, here we go with Colorado College Assistant Coach Leon Hayward. excited to have on this episode of the podcast. This a very, very important episode of the podcast. He is an assistant coach with the Colorado College Tigers, Leon Hayward. Leon, how you doing today, man?
1: Doing well, guys. Appreciate you having me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we got some stuff to talk about for sure. It's a uh, it's a crazy world we're living in right now, to say the least. Um, but I uh, certainly want to introduce you to our listeners uh, who may not know who you are uh, as of right now. And, and we were talking off air beforehand. You have quite the freaking hockey story and quite the background. And uh, I mean, your resume is, is incredible. You know, you played at Northeastern 350 plus pro games after that. And, and you've had a, a pretty awesome coaching career up to now. Um, but getting into hockey was uh, a little bit different. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I was really lucky. Um, you know, I had a uh, you know, I just I really didn't sign up for a soccer team on time at the Boys and Girls Club. That's as simple as that. My mom was uh, complaining to, to the lady at the front desk and a, a friend overheard and said, you should play hockey. And and, uh, you know, uh, uh, we went to the rink. They gave us all the equipment. I had the old skates with the, you know, the iron and the, like they didn't have the whole the full toque on it. And uh, I loved it. And uh, it, it was fun to go fast. And uh, I lucked out having some great coaches. Ended up having Kevin McLaughlin, who works with USA Hockey, uh, for a uh, as a midget coach. And we went out, saw some prep schools, and um, connected with Paul Vincent, who really became my mentor dad everything you want to call it and spent the summers on the cape and ended up going to Tabor Academy and played at Northeastern and it's you know and went on to play a little bit after so I was really lucky I had some really great people in my life to kind of shape and guide my hockey career but uh but you know if I I laugh with my mom a lot you know if she would have signed up signed me up on time I don't know if if we'd be in the same spot
2: (laughs) you hear that parents and children just uh Miss soccer tryouts and you're going to play college hockey. There you go.
0: (laughs) That's unreal, man. Well, I mean, got to ask you about Paul Vincent because he's a guy, I mean, you talk about skill coaches, development coaches. I mean, he's won Stanley cups. He, he works with the best of the best. Um, What was that relationship like that you had with him and what makes him such a special dude?
1: Yeah, I think it was just his full belief uh, in me as a player. And what I saw you know over the you know decades is his belief in guys ability to get better and that has helped me as a coach i think uh but he just believed you could get better it didn't matter who you were uh if you wanted to put the work in and and do the littlest drill over and over and over and over <laughs> yet he'd help you get there. And so he was amazing for me, you know, it, it, and it went a little bit deeper for me. It was life. My my dad had actually passed away when I was younger. And so he filled a huge void for me uh, and still to this day does, but, uh, but, but he was amazing uh, just his belief in players. And I really believe, I mean, I was an okay college hockey player. I was a better player in the East coast league. So I really believe you can get better as a player, I just fundamentally do that. Um, so I think that's, that's, uh, that, that's what he was huge with him with me, you know, that's really cool. And for all the listeners that don't know, Mr. B
2: is Paul Vincent, unreal skills coach, like Top said in the said. but, uh, he said, he gave me some really, really cool advice. And as I've gotten older and I've learned about coaching and teaching and, and external cueing and stuff. He came up to me after like my first week after signing with the Bruins and being in Providence. And he's like, you know, you're really fast, but you get off balance a lot. And I was like, yeah, I know. I've kind of always had that. And he's like, well, how do you throw a baseball? Mm. He's like, show me. And so I show, I'm on my skates Practice is over and I'm throwing a baseball. He's like, swing a tennis racket. So I swing a tennis, hit a baseball. Like I go through like every possible thing you can do in sports, throw a football, yeah. throw all these things. He's like, what do those all have in common? And I was like, I don't know, I look like an idiot <laughs> the- throwing all these imaginary balls. And he's like, your chest is up. When you skate and you, you go to hit guys, you bring your chest down, which is why when you hit guys, you fall down. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, oh, I guess so. He's like, start focusing on that in practice. And just see if it makes – your speed's not going to change. See if it makes a difference in your balance. And it literally changed, like, everything from that moment on. It was, like, like the littlest cue. But that cue helped me so much. And I, I use it probably weekly in my gym. Like, yeah. with all – from NHL down to 14-year-old AAA players, I use that cue. And I'm like, look, this, like, completely changed. Also, it makes you force you to have your head up. And yes. I always put my head down like an idiot. So that really helped me, but I think it's just such a simple thing, but like he changed the way that I played hockey with one simple little cue. And it was the first time he'd ever seen me skate in practice. So really cool guy.
1: It's amazing to watch him watch a skate, like someone skate and evaluate It's a, it's unbelievable. And I've been lucky to watch a lot of that um, with him. And so I think that's been helpful for me, um in the recruiting stuff and just think and look and evaluating skaters and things like that just because some of those things are kind of like they i, I just it's how, how i kind of learned to watch the game a little bit with them so it's been fun to to do that it's been helpful
2: that's amazing like that is that is like somebody that's really cool well wow. that had to help so much like Huge. can you share any little tips or tricks from uh from a scout's perspective to parents who are trying to help their kids with skating. Like, are there any like tricks that or
1: tips that you see that work across the board? Yeah, I, I think the, well, the other cool point t- to that point is he would never really try and fully just change someone else's stride. He'd add pieces to it to make them better. Right. He, that's the kind of his genius. Um, I think for me, the point you made just, just the chest, And, you know, he'd always talk about, let me see the logo. And I think if you can skate and show your logo a lot, you're probably in pretty good, pretty good shape. And, uh, you know, though I think that's really the biggest one is being an athlete. Like he, he literally, I mean, what what you're talking about, is exactly what he do with hundreds of guys in the summer. And, you know, have them, you know, shoot a free throw, like literally take their glove like a basket. Like, well, you're not standing up and you're not, when you're playing lacrosse, where are you? And I think I think if you can get yourself in those positions, things will work themselves out. Then you can lengthen your stride. Then you can, you know, you can finish your stride and and work on your returns. But it really starts with, you know, can I see your logo? And I think that's a big one, you know, especially when I'm seeing, when I'm watching guys for me yeah a hundred percent and my my thing was
2: that that the reason I was getting off balance because when my chest would would dip down my feet would come off the ice sooner so I didn't have the same length I actually did get faster once I started doing that because I don't even know if it's possible for me to get faster but it did help it but (laughs) but like that that my skate blade stayed on the ice for you know whatever it is a quarter of a second longer and that is a massive difference so yeah, that's really cool. Any any parents listening, check that. See if your kids, you know, their chest is toppling over every time and then just go through what, you know, we just kind of went through with the different sporting stuff and maybe that's a little trick that you could help them with. Sure.
0: Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, Vex and I like we uh, we say this all the time on the podcast. Like we have a lot of respect for guys who who kind of earn their way to where they are now and and had to almost grind their way to get to, you know, you coached prep school for a long time before you got your first uh first job here at, uh, at CC. And I think you actually played for Mike Havlin, right? Played for him, won a Kelly cup and eh, playoff MVP in the ECHL. No big deal. Hey Vex. (laughs) Um, But uh, just as a coach, you know, you, you learn so much through that grind. Um, and you, you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about just the, the kids and the families and all that kind of stuff. Uh, having coached at the prep school for so long, now being a division one college assistant coach, what do you think are maybe one or two things that you think you've learned the most through your journey to to where you are today?
1: Um, I think a lot of patience. I, I, I think <laughs> there's a process. I, I really, it's, it's, uh, and, and it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, that, that kind of 97 group was the first 97 birth year was like the first birth year that I kind of in my head, remember really recruiting and kind of going after, uh, for prep school. And so it's been really interesting to see those guys progress and, uh, and, and get better and develop and, you know, who was, you know, who's turned out to be a great player, maybe who's, you know, took longer, um, or, or didn't become a great player. And so I think, understanding and learning a little bit about patients in the process and, and, and allowing kids to kind of take their path. Um, I love pre- coaching prep school. I thought it was great. Um, you know, and some of the stuff we'll, you know, we'll end up talking about today. It, it there's just so much, uh, so much, of life you're teaching with the kids and like you to have, you know, to to run a dorm and have like six guys that play for you live in the dorm is just, it's, it's cool. And, uh, I think it humanizes things a lot. And I think sometimes, and, you know, as a college coach, you, you, you fight that a little bit and, um, you, you want to be a human still. And, but it's just a different dynamic in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, there's some, there's much more on the line. So I, I loved coaching prep school. It was great. I did three years at Taft with Dan Murphy, who was awesome. He was on the 42, one and two uh, team, main team that won a national championship. He's awesome. He's at St. Paul's now. And then I lucked out, was a head coach for three years. And then, uh, and then I went to Avon with, with like one of the greatest of all time, John Gardner. He was amazing. Um, And uh, talk about reading a room you know uh he could read his team as good or better than anyone i've ever seen and uh, so i was really lucky to have some excellent people to to work for work with um and so i love that grind and and i lucked out have you having, having a, a spot here um I, I actually got a job in bloomington first yep yeah for like three weeks so i'm undefeated in the ushl which is <laughs> I think I had one one game in the uh in uh, you know scrimmage and tryouts and training camp and uh and so that was a interesting process too, just putting together a 30 man roster for about a month and then ended up jumping to, to CC, which was which was great. So I lucked out. I'm pretty lucky. You know, I, I've said to you before, Toefe, you know, you you're preparing for North Dakota now versus you know preparing for, for Pomfret, you know. <laughs> it's, a it's a different animal.
0: Little you know? little different crowd size too. Yeah,
1: little bit, a little bit.
0: Oh man. Well, I mean, that's, that's such awesome stuff, dude. And, and, uh, but I, I do, you know, I do, obviously this is a big topic right now. The, the, the racism that has come up in our country. I mean, it's always been there, but it's, it's front and center in everything that we see right now. Um, and, and to, to get your perspective on it, uh, I, I'm, I can't wait to listen. You know, I think that's one thing that, like in life in general, forget about what's happening right now. And we don't listen enough where we try to shout over each other. We, we try to make our points and win and and all that kind of stuff. Instead of something that Jeff and I have talked about so much on here, something we think is really important is perspective Um, perspective and empathy. I think are two of the greatest qualities that, that you can have. And so you know, getting the chance to have you on here to, to get your perspective, um, about just what's going on right now. And, and what I'd love to do Leon is, is you wrote a really powerful thing on Twitter and we talked about this before. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do that. Um, especially with something as turbulent and, and just crazy as what's going on right now. Like it was very, very powerful that, uh, That you put your thoughts out there. And I wanted to read it. And my question to you after I do that is just, how are you feeling right now? You know, like what's, what's kind of the reception that you've gotten? How are you feeling about it? And uh, so I'll start it here. Just I'm devastated. I'm devastated for George Floyd and his family. I'm devastated. He wasn't allowed to breathe. I'm devastated that our America is still divided and so angry in 2020. Honestly and selfishly, I'm most devastated that I have to explain to my boys that some people don't like their dad because of the color of his skin. They simply cannot understand. They cannot understand why anyone would want to intentionally hurt or murder someone else because of, this, because of their skin color. It is tougher than I could ever imagine having these conversations with my boys. I'm devastated for the law enforcement officers that do their job that do their difficult job well. I'm lucky to be in Minneapolis regularly recruiting, and I'm devastated for all my friends in Minnesota. I despise the looting, the fighting, all the media on every side that ignites much of the mess these days. I'm devastated we all don't have a leader. I'm devastated that the sport I love still has so much work to do and that up-and-coming boys and girls of color don't always feel that hockey is for everyone. I love hockey, I love my players, and I love everyone who is helping to make our game better. It is a delicate balance as a minority coach in a majority sport, but I love my hockey family. But sadly, we are well past can't we all get along. We need real change, real systemic change in America. We all have the power to help make this change, and we won't have the change until we all step up together. Sending love to everyone who is hurting and helping. Hashtag I can't breathe. Hashtag be anti-racist. So, I mean, I read that and I got like emotional reading that man. Like I really did because as a privileged white person from the suburbs of Chicago, there's no way I can ever feel what you feel. You know, all we can do is listen and, and try to be better. So, um, As as you sit here after me reading that, you know, what what are your thoughts right now? And I have to imagine that the hockey community, you got a lot of texts and phone calls that day um, just with support, too.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, You know, there's a lot there as as I'm listening to it back. A lot (laughs) lot to unpack. Right. Um, It's funny. So we uh, I wrote that, slept on it. You know, showed it to my wife in the morning. She's like, "This is awesome!" Like, you, you gonna are you gonna send it out? And I was like, "Well, I don't know." She's like, "Just you know, that's you. That's how you feel. It's it's your world, you know." And uh, so I sent it out, and we actually took a drive out to the mountains in Colorado. So I was gone for the day, and like no cell service. And to come back and have so many, uh, you know, messages from. The guys that I you know coach against um you know have coached with it was unbelievable like at every level i mean prep school guys college guys guys that i you know know from the american league n h uh, l guys like it was it was crazy like it was honestly overwhelming it gave me a a huge sense of hope and excitement and and uh, it was pretty early in this, and I know people. There's a lot of stuff about how quick are people writing stuff, and I, I, I'm not as much into that. I think you gotta process it as it's, it works for you. Um, but it was pretty early when all this stuff, when I did that, and and to have all these people reach out uh, was amazing. And, and, and the and, you know one of the biggest things is the comfort level of sending sending something like that out in the world. Is you gotta have a really good support staff here. And like my head coach, and you mentioned Havi, like Havi's an amazing human being. And uh feeling fully supported by our staff, I you know, I you can't do that if you don't, you know, your school and your staff and RJ Anga, who's awesome too. So um it's just a lot. It's we've just had crazy conversations in my house. Um, you know, my kids. I mean, my nine-year-old just, he wants to watch the news now, which is crazy. And he's asking questions and um, it's just a really interesting time, you know, and, and I think that's the, that's the best way I can describe it. And and we've had some good conversations with our team. Um, you know, we're lucky. CC is a pretty, you know, liberal institution overall. Um, but we sit in Colorado, which is a pretty conservative state uh, for the most part. From a governmental perspective so it's a really it's a interesting juxtaposition uh for our guys and you know and 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 hockey's trying and and it's been really interesting and, and it's been great to see a lot of hockey players you know having statements having thoughts talking their way through it because that's the only way it changes right like having a conversation and being open to uh different thoughts different ideas um to everyone and trying to trying to really and I tried to I told this to our team like you really got to put yourself in someone else's shoes here. You just you have to that's the only way you'll be able to start to make that change because it's very easy to say I'm a good guy. Like I said to our guys, you listen to rap music, you're good kids and you know you got some black friends. So you're in your head you're going, "Well, I'm not racist." So, but you can do more, right? we can be better than that. We can make people feel more comfortable and things like that.
0: For sure, absolutely. And you know, I sit back and obviously this is a time for a lot of us to reflect about how we've handled certain things, how we thought all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that came up to me as I'm coming through here is like, I've never seen racism mm. like in a hockey rink. I've never mm. seen it myself. Yeah, That doesn't mean it ain't there, you know, because we all live in bubbles, right? We all live in bubbles and we know what's in our bubble and i don't think at this point right now in america and probably in the world we're we're at a point right now where bubbles are getting smaller and smaller and we are afraid to leave our bubbles so we don't get that kind of perspective and we don't get that kind of empathy because we we're, we're so siloed you you watch the news and it's just like it's depressing it's like it's it's maddening and so like for me like one of the questions i had for you is like again i i've never seen it never seen it in in a rink uh or anything like that but I, it's there so for you uh, as a black man coming through
1: hockey uh, what's there yeah. you know like i just <laughs> yeah.
0: what's your experience you know i just i don't know
1: yeah it's funny and and again said this to our group uh this week uh you know, it's, it's there. And I had 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 instances, you know, during my career. Um, And and I guess the best part about it for me, when that kind of stuff happened to me, the slurs or, you know, kind of chirps from the, from the stands was my teammates took it more personally than I did. So that was super helpful because especially then you're, you're really taught as a player, like you can't let it, you know, I can't take a bad penalty. I can't let it affect me. I got to move on. I got to be tough. Um, but it's hard. And I, and I, and I, I've said this to our guys, like if your only chirp is like the color of a guy's skin or like what you think is sexuality is like, it's not a very good shirt, man. Like you can find something else. Like, you know, talk about a skill level or like if, if that's it, like that's, that's small. So it definitely happened throughout my career it happened, you know, all the way up to the pro level. Um, you know, and again, I had some great teammates that, that took care of it. Obviously pro acts is a little bit different. You can take care of it yourself uh, in some ways. Um, and I had actually, I played with two other black guys at Northeastern. Billy Newsom was there, Who was a, was a uh was two years ahead of me um and then rich spiller um was in my class at northeastern so I, I had a little bit of support there which was which was nice and you know you didn't have to answer the the, the question for everybody which was nice you could you could take turns Who, who's <laughs> gonna go have that interview um but uh and Anson carter was playing in boston too for a couple of those years so it was it a was, uh, interesting time and in jersey it had just kind of got out of bu so um it's definitely there um that's that's a reality uh you know but but i think it's something and you mentioned it a little bit kids now are so connected and uh you know the best player over here knows the best player over here and they're you know four, you know 25 states away um it's it's really interesting how i think that will change things and um you know it's just we can't wait that long to have the change. Like, I think we're at a a tipping point. Like we've all kind of seen like that change needs to happen soon ASAP. So, um, but, but I think kids are much more connected. Um, You know, I was kind of like the the whole, the, 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 the deal with uh, you know, Akeem uh, in the locker room and the music, like that's just a reality for anyone who's like a black guy who played hockey when, if they're like, 35 to or 30 to 50 you know they listen to different music and it just wasn't it wasn't vibing with the whole room uh and and i laugh now because all we listen to is hip-hop in our room like you know i'm not doing it it's it's our guys like so i i kind of laugh like if uh you know but but that was the reality uh back then yeah Yeah, for sure yeah
0: well it's you talk about the reality and it kind of goes back to it like that story comes out about bill Peters and you're like, really? Yeah. Like, like seriously, somebody would say that to somebody like that. And, uh, and that's where I just, I think we need to open our eyes and we got to get out of our silos because there's so much going on in this world that, you just, you don't know about, and the more perspective you can get, the more knowledgeable you can get on, on different things. And even in the last, uh, the last week or so, since, since this has all kind of gone down, like I've really kind of dove into the history of it. Yeah. Why, why is the world the way that it is right now? And you think about it, like for, for, for us, Martin Luther King was assassinated in my parents' generation. Like our parents were alive when that happened. We're yeah. one generation removed from that. You know, and um, just kind of thinking about it from that aspect, I mean, change certainly, and that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, you know, what's it going to take for things to change? Because so many things have happened in our history where you're kind of like, okay, this is probably the tipping point. And then something else happens and that this is probably the tipping point. This is probably the tipping point. This is probably the tipping point, but it just seems to be getting, I don't want to, I don't know if it's getting worse, but it's the, the, the problem is still alive and well and present and stuff. So, you know, just from your kind of perspective, um, having seen these things and felt the feelings and all that kind of stuff, you know, where do you think we're at right now? And do you see maybe a little bit more of a, of a glimmer of hope that things might change?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're at that point. I think people have talked, your point exactly about, you know, what, you know, this has happened and then, you know, another thing happened. We'll just be patient then we'll work it out. Like, um, I think we're kind of at a tipping point, especially just, you know, I saw something on either CNN or somewhere that, you know, every state had a protest, you know, that's the only thing really, really we can get, you know, we can, you know, agree to at this point. But uh, so I think we're at that spot and i think a lot of it and we talked a little bit about it before is being human like just be a human and give people a chance um give them a second chance if need be uh but but be a human and how you would want to be treated and how you know you want someone to treat you know um your loved ones and I think that's the biggest thing. And I think you got to understand that that this has happened for a long time. I mean, I played hockey in Beaumont, Texas, which is part of the golden triangle with, with Orange, Texas, Inviter. Inviter is where the, I, I'm my, losing my mind right now, where um, the guy was dragged behind a car and there are no charges. Like that was like four or five years before I was down there. And it's like it's crazy. Like, but but when I think about the people down there, they were great people to me. And I think people are people have that in them to be great and to be good. But you have to understand that and acknowledge these things. And I think that's the biggest issue in America is we really never just acknowledge this. No one said that. This has happened, you know no one admits that unless they're in the minority group, right, and I think that's a huge issue there There are some you know atrocities that have happened in the world and and countries have said, "Hey, this happened in our country, and we don't like it, we don't want it to ever happen again, and we need to be better, but that's never happened here, and I think we're getting to that point where individuals are, are recognizing that and trying to be better and trying to work through that. But I think that's the biggest thing, um, for us to kind of start to heal. And, and it's a hard thing because then you throw in police officers and you throw in the flag and it's like, Oh my gosh, like there's so many things here. And, um, and you know, I, after I wrote that one of the, I got a call from one of the uh, guys I used to coach and his dad was a police officer. And I felt better because he called me and I was like, I loved it. And thanks for writing that because it can't be a, a flag thing. It can't be uh, an anthem thing. It can't be a police officer thing. This is a, uh, a a problem that we need to unite around, get talk about and get better with. And it's, it's complicated. It's tricky. Um, you know, we said we, we met with our team today and and one of our players uh, niece is black, and his brother, other brother, so not the not the not the father of the of the of his niece, but his other brother is a police officer. You know, it's a twenty year old kid, and you know what he's thinking, how he's getting through that. So it's it's a tough issue, but I think you got to direct it head on. I mean, that's what I've done with my kids. That's really the only way I kind of know. And let's ask questions and ask the hard questions. Ask the ones that you're not sure. Is that question okay? But you got to ask it. And I think that's how you, you, you take steps.
2: That's awesome. It's, it's so heavy. Like this whole, this whole thing is so heavy. And I love that you said, just like, be a good human. And I think like, it just starts with that. Like, don't look at yourself as a, a color of skin. Don't look at yourself as an ethnicity, as a race, as an American, even look at yourself as a human part of the human race are mm-hmm. all the same grow up like I don't understand it I never will but like it's not just in the U.S. I played in a lot of different countries and there were guys there that would say some stupid shit and I would put them in place I'm like dude you can't say that like what are you what are you doing you cannot say that especially around me and so I you know just and and it's not just with with african-americans or black people like it's yeah. different races i'm like dude grow up like that you didn't you don't know that person they didn't do anything to you like uh, and, and i just keep going back to and actually a guy who we've had on this podcast one of my best friends this past week it was probably on monday his daughter callie is probably like I don't know three or four and she was going to daycare and her and her best friend who is is a little african american girl they're just like running around holding hands, and he's like hate 's not taught hate hate you're not born with hate hate oh, is girl. taught, hate is learned, so like we'll stop doing all those things, and the generations coming up behind us will not have that anymore, so just as a human, look in the mirror and be good
1: yeah it's it's uh it's it's so true and it's it's funny when you see kids and I even said when we first took our, our oldest guy to daycare the first time, I was like, man, there are a lot of kind of mixed kids here. And like, this is going to be a, this thing's going to end up. Okay. But we got to condense this time in between before these people are, you know, adults and and to not learn that, that, that hate, as you say. And and I think it's, uh, it's just, you know, and when I look at it too, and obviously as a coach, you can't not think of things as a coach. And I'm just thinking of, America as a locker room. And it's like, if it were my team, like I can't put these guys over here and these guys over here and then go play the game. I'm never winning. I'm never winning. We got to, you got to get your room together and you got to work hard at that. And I think that's, that's so, so important to do and and you and i always look at it as a, from a coaching perspective i can't not you know but i'm like we're, we're dividing the locker room man we all know that's not happening we're not winning dude that, that is such tough. a good
0: analogy
2: wow genius get your room together america <laughs> that's it
0: yeah it's uh, it's tough man like you you watch the news and you see some of the stuff that's going on and it's just like you know so much division I mean, it, it's it's me or you, and and the, the the crazy part is, is like you you look at it, it shouldn't be like us against the cops, or us against African Americans, or us against people in the military who who uh, live and die with the flag, and those that don't. Like, I think as a majority of the people, like if there wasn't so much division coming from up above, like it would be so much better, you know, like. Yeah. who Who wants to disrespect the there is okay let me preface this saying there are problems and systemic racism in police, and that cannot be you know that, that can't be sugarcoated because there a hundred percent is, but there's police officers that protect and serve and do amazing things and keep us safe too and it's almost like it, it shouldn't be us against them or them against us like if we just if there wasn't so much division in our world and that was amplified so much it would be so much easier to have these kinds of conversations. Right. And maybe number one, not feel offended to say your piece. Number yeah. two, actually listen to the people that you're talking to, because like, in Jeff, we talk about this as a family, you know, like we feel like there's a lot more commonalities with people who are fighting against each other than we even realize. And, you know, as, as somebody of of your skin color, is that something that you see too or like what kind of perspective do you have when it comes to that? Um. Well, I, I
1: think, listen, I think, I believe that people are good and want to do the right thing. And I think people make mistakes. I'm, I'm completely imperfect. Uh, But uh, I think that you have, I think it goes back to that listening point. I think that's super important about taking steps and strides and really listening and saying, this is how you feel. Why do you feel this way? Or you were, you know, like, you know, we told our you know, our guy's like, I've gotten pulled over for no reason. Like it's real. Like people don't believe this stuff. And I think Will Smith had, a. I think it was Will Smith who had a great quote. Like it's, it's, you know, there's always been racism. It's just being videotaped now. So I I think people are good. I think people want to try. I think athletes, and I'll speak specifically for hockey um, players. I think they want, they want their teammates on board with them, and they understand how important that is. And they, I think, now we're understanding how important um, you talk about mental health. I mean, being a the only person of color in a locker room—that's tough. I mean, yeah. we've we've made these unbelievable strides in mental health and being accepting of that. Bell, let's talk. You know, all those things. So I, I just think. I think people have a little bit. Um, I heard that Ryan Clark, who writes for Athletic, uh, who is an excellent writer, he, he covers uh, Colorado, the Avalanche. He wrote. He said it's hockey players have what they love right now: time and space. <laughs> yeah, time and space. And he's still Guys are thinking a little bit more, and they are um, realizing some things and asking some questions, which is awesome. And I think that's that's how you you start to move forward. And I think, like you said, if there there are systemic things. If you have twenty two violations and you're a cop and there's no one to 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 stop you, like that has to that has to change, yeah. and that's a systemic thing that can that can begin to help change with some of this stuff. And I think that's um that's a start. And I think just being human. In uh, fact, you said it. You know, if you if you hear something in your locker room say something or say say man that's not cool or someone says that to to yeah. someone on the ice like who you're playing against it's yeah. not cool man like we don't do that and uh you know like I said as a player for me it was very uh I was very lucky because my teammates would <clears throat> go crazy they would they would they would be a not more offended than me. I mean, I was offended, but, but they would take it upon themselves to take care of it or go after it or say something. And I can remember the first time when I was coaching and I heard it as a coach and I didn't even hear the comment, but saw it. I saw the interaction and I could see the kid of color, like his face. And I saw the ref's face and I was like, Oh my God, like he did it. <laughs> like the guy, uh-huh. went, and I was like, I was devastated for, my player and, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's tough. And like I said before, like, if that's your only chirp, like that's brutal, man, like be better than that, you know, have some, get something else. And, and I think it just, we can start by cleaning up our own locker rooms and helping each other out being better, you know, not using, you know, homophobic, you know, misogynistic, you know, racist language in our own rooms. Um, and and start there and, and that's a huge that's a huge start for for hockey players
2: one thing I've learned from running my own business and always working on creating a positive culture in the gym and with my clients and the groups that they train with each other in too is like words are powerful and so like people will make you know when I was younger or whatever you hear like those offhanded like jokes like, oh this that actually in our family group chat our cousin sent in a, a video about systemic racism today and and like you know like all oh, asians are smart like obviously that's a positive one but it's like like you make a joke about that and it's like oh it's not harmful but like it's then it's in your subconscious and it's like back there it's called so like it's called
0: implicit bias yes well, implicit bias yeah
2: implicit bias don't don't do it like just don't make the freaking comment your words have meaning. Even if you th- oh, it's just a joke. Well, no, it's not just a joke. Now it's like in your subconscious, it's in everyone's subconscious. So like, it's not just a joke. Like, just don't say stupid, st- stupid shit, like grow up, you know? And, and you do think that way. If you're saying those things, whether you, you're constantly thinking that way or you're not like you're thinking that way. So like look in the mirror too and evaluate when you make those comments, why are you making them? Where are they coming from? What's the damage they're doing? Are they doing any positive for the world? Then why are you doing
1: it? Stop it. Well, and I think you can, and people can be better, right? People can change. Like, I, I mean, if you go back to, or if I just take myself back to, you know, locker rooms growing up when I was a kid, like there was a lot of terrible homophobic language, yeah. like terrible. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, and I think a lot of it, not all of it, but but it's we're leaps and bounds in a better place than, than uh, we were then certainly. And so I think that, so you can change, you can take that language out of your, you know, vocabulary. I think that's really important to just take it out of your vocabulary. Don't use it. Um, I heard um, uh, Burke uh, talk at uh, Phillips Andover. We took a group of kids over there and he was, it was the, you can play projects so was a lot of athletes we took over there. And uh, it was early in, Kind of started that, and and he talked about you know there was a a, a a gay kid at a high school in Minnesota. I don't know where it was, and he said, "What if, what if the hockey team, the hockey players at that school, protected this kid, helped him out? Would he have done that?" And I think there's so much power in a lot of these places and and, and teams. You know, whether it's a National Hockey League team or it's a high school team or just your youth team, you know, some of these youth players live in a lot of different places. So if you, to your point of if your culture is good, if you're helping kids and talk about these issues and why these things are important, why diversity and differences is important, they can take those back to the different places. And I think that's, that's the power of teams. That's the power of coaching. Um, You know, it's, it's what I love about coaching at the college level too, is you just get a lot of that and, uh, and a lot of chance to help these guys. But I think to, to your points, it's that culture you create, if you can create a positive way and those players can take that to other places and what they do is it's impactful. It's huge.
0: For sure. And I think as coaches too, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, like find a way to give your kids a little bit of perspective too. Mm -hmm. Um, like for me, I I think about my upbringing and, you know, very privileged, very lucky by no choice of my own, just where I was born and who I was born to, you know, was able to have a lot of advantages growing up. But one of the things that, um, my grandparents did, uh, during Christmas time is we would go, they lived in Florida and we would go to a shelter for Mm -hmm. kids that had been taken away from their parents because they were abused. And so you sit here as a privileged kid and you're in your bubble, like we were talking about before. And, and then you see that there's, there's some other stuff going on in the world and it gives you a little bit of perspective. And like, when I got to college at Cornell, I was a part of this like kind of leadership and service group. And I had never had a conversation with a minority before about race. You know, you, you learn about it in school and, and all that kind of stuff, but until you, it's, it goes back to that empathy and you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes like that, that 20 to 30 minute conversation that I had with that group of people, like I was a different person after that, because now you see the things from their eyes and you are able to like, just kind of put yourself in their shoes and some of the stuff, like I would never have believed or even thought about the fact that like, when you go into an elevator, there are three other people in there and they grip their purse a little bit tighter when you Mm. walk in there as a person of color. And when I heard that, I was like, holy shit, you know, like that, but again, it it just find finding ways. And you mentioned like the LGBTQ community too. like growing up in conservative Midwest, you know, it's something that you're kind of, I don't want to say brought up, but it's just, you know, especially when we were growing up, it wasn't, you know, and I had never met a gay person before until I got to Miami of Ohio. And one of my professors was a gay woman and she Mm -hmm. was like the coolest person ever. And she had kids and a partner and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, why did I think that way? But it, but it, it, but it, what goes back to like you, you meet people, you, you get out of your silo, you, you get some perspective. And I think that's something that I hope this awful situation does is it's finally kind of getting us out there so we can learn about different ethnicities and different cultures and stuff, because it goes back to vex, what you were saying, like, we're all human race. Like it's, it's the same thing. And, and um, I don't know, it's just, It's been. It's just a crazy time.
1: (laughs) You got to be a little vulnerable with it, and listen. The the white privilege stuff is is heavy too. Like like you said, like you you grew up suburban Chicago. Like that's not your fault. And 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 people, I think when they hear the conversation about what a white privilege, they get. offensive in a lot of ways, like that wasn't my fault or it's not really true. And it's, it, you know, there's definitely, it's there, it's a real thing. And the best example, and it's not mine, uh, but I heard a speaker talk and he said, just be left-handed for the day, be left-handed for the day. See how uncomfortable your day is, you know, opening doors, going to your car, everything. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a perfect example, but that's a, that's a, you know, right-handed privilege that people have, you know, and it's, I think it's a good conceptual way for people to kind of start to think about uh, white privilege. Cause it's definitely, it's definitely there. And I think, uh, you know, and listen, athletes have privilege too. Like, so I, I sit here as a, you know, someone with kind of athlete privilege, we got some pretty cool things in college and, you know, things like that. But, uh, but, it, but I think talking about it, owning it, understanding it, you know, learning about it is, is, it's just, that that's how you got to, that's the direction you got to go with this stuff. You just have to.
0: Yeah, for sure. And especially in the hockey world, you know, hockey is a predominantly white sport, mm-hmm. predominantly affluent sport. And and I do like, I think it's important to talk about for these kids. It's like, Hey, like you were born on second base <laughs> or yeah. born with a right hand. Like you said, you know, you by nothing other than the color of your skin and, and where you were born and all that kind of stuff. Like, And it's, it's true. Like it's a, it's a matter of fact, the statistics show that. And, you know, I've been listening to podcasts and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's research that says that if you have an African American sounding name on your resume, you're two times less likely to get a callback. So if your name is, is Jamal versus your name is Jeff, you know, that's a big deal in terms of getting a callback from people. And that's just, that's a, that's a freaking reality that we need to know about.
1: And, or buy a house or buy, like, yeah. it goes on and on and on. It's, it's, that's, that's what, when you talk about systemic racism, that's what people are trying to get at. And that's the, that's the point. And, and you know, and you, that you're right. The analogy of, you know, starting at second base versus, versus, you know, having to get the hit and find your way to first and then navigate all the way home is, is, is hard and, and uh, it's a struggle. Um But I think that's uh that's a huge, huge part of it is, is, is you need help to get there too. That's the point of all this. This can't be done by black people or people of color or brown people. This has to be taken with allies and whatever word you want to use, friends, supporters, humans, we have, they have to help us get laws changed, vote, you know, get people in office that will make these things change. And it's, it's not a snap of the fingers, but it, we're pushing the button pretty hard right now.
0: Yeah. How, how have you felt just with the reaction of the hockey community? When I mean, you look at some of these things that, and, and obviously there's been a lot but I think the substance of it is, is even maybe even more important. Like you you, um, you read what Braden Holtby, someone like him and, and how much thought he has put into it and how important it is to him because, you know, it's easy to make a statement and I almost feel like everybody's making a statement right now. Yeah. It's kind of the thing to do. Right. Um, but the, the, the message and the, just the, the overall kind of like power within what people are saying and how they're saying it, it seems like it's a little bit different this time around. Would you like, what What would your thoughts be on that? Yeah.
1: I, and I, and I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or, or before, but I'm not as big. Some people are kind of killing some of these guys for, well, what took so long? What, listen, some people need their space to, to, to think it through, right? It's, 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 it's not going to be the same for everyone. Right. And the, and I think some of the stuff that these guys have written, uh, some of these NHL guys have written super powerful. Um, Jaden Struble who uh, plays in my alma mater. Wow. That was amazing too. Yeah. He's a true freshman. That was amazing. (laughs) What he wrote was amazing. And uh, you know, so plugged in so thoughtful. I don't know if I could have done, I'm thinking of just myself I don't know if I could have written that as a freshman at Northeastern. So I'm so impressed by him. I can't wait to talk to him about it. And uh, But I, I think what people are writing, I think it's genuine. I think people are saying the right things. I think they're talking about this isn't just – it's got to be more than the statement, which I think is important too. They're putting that in there. Um, Patrice Bergeron, I played about 20 games in Providence, uh, the year of the lockout and Berge was there and talk about fantastic human, just human, um, player, everything. Uh, he, what he wrote was amazing and uh, he doesn't have social media and stuff like that, but he put his statement out through the Bruins. But I, I just think I've been totally moved by it. I I've been, you know, moved by, the coaches that have reached out to me from every college conference, it's been unbelievable. Um, You know, I wish I was at a rank to hug some of these guys and there's no COVID and all this other (laughs) stuff going on, like on top of all this, you know, right. And, uh, and it's, it's moved me to feel, I think I said this earlier that there's, we're, we're moving towards a much better place where we're going to talk about it and get some action going. And, um, you know, JT Brown said, you know, we got to make sure this keeps going though, you know, in the future, next week, the following week, um, you know, things like that. And, and, and those systemic pieces begin to change. And because that's re- really where you're going to get, a um, real change. And it's, it's, uh, It's funny. I mean, the the incident Ferguson about six years ago, and they finally got their first, you know, black uh, female um, mayor there. So I think that's, again, you can vote, you can change things, you know, if you're old enough or able to vote, vote, man. Um, And and so I just think there's, I'm, I'm uh, excited and hopeful with what people have written. And I think, you know, you, you said Hopi and Blake Wheeler. I mean, there's, um, there are just a host of like really thoughtful statements. And I think they're going to, I believe, I believe in those guys. I believe in hockey players and I, I believe they're going to continue to do a great job, but I hope hockey, you know, starts to, uh, you know, jump to the forefront of some of these things. And, and I know a lot of people are killing, the NHL about with the Keem And when that thing came out, well, why, what's different now? And I think, I think it's a little bit, you know, it's, 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 it's a shame. It didn't happen right away then. Um, But, but I think we gotta embrace when people are trying now, we can't kill them for their timing. You gotta embrace them trying. And if they're earnest in their effort and, and they continued on, that's, that's what matters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean it's interesting because like the NHL, you know, they've been on the forefront I would say on the f- forefront of the, maybe not of the major sports, but I think they've done a really good job in terms of supporting the mental health initiatives. You know, you mentioned the Bell Let's Talk. Um, they've been at the forefront of the LGBTQ community with the You Can Play Project and Brian Burke and all he's done with that. You know, what you're seeing kind of now with with women's hockey um, being, you know, very much advocates for women's hockey. And it's, it's, it's taken us a little bit more time for whatever reason to really, and, and I think it is you know, you don't want to bash them for like what you just said, like they're trying now, but I I do think it's a fair question. Like, look at what happened to Akeem Aliou. You know, there's been other guys that have spoken up about these kinds of things in the past too. And it's never really, but I also think maybe it's a society thing too. I mean, what, what happened with in Minnesota and it getting on video and all that kind of stuff like that, it's, to, to see it and to hear it and to, to witness it. I mean, it was just, it was crazy, but I don't, I don't know. I do think it's, it's a fair question to ask like NHL, like this, we could have done a better job. We've done a really good job with these other things. Why, why with racism, is it taking this kind of another, um, yeah. with, you know, like why, why, why did it take so
1: long? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough, and, and 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 again, some of that may be the audience. I mean, maybe it's it's there's less players of color, and it just it's tough. It's but it's it's too bad, and I think like we gotta push forward with it. And I think I hope hockey players can be leaders. I mean, there's there you know in other sports where they've traditionally been you know you know have a stronger represent, representation of of black athletes. They're kind of they've always talked about race and it just hasn't been in our game and I think it's it's tough like you know like it's there I mean PK Subban touches a puck in the crowd booze is it because you know he's doing his workout on Instagram or like what's the what's the root cause behind that and and it's tough man and I think that's we got to look deeper at that you know, sometimes. And, and even when he donated money right away uh, to the George Floyd uh, fund and people were like, Oh, he's just doing this for himself. Like you don't donate a hundred thousand dollars or $50,000 for yourself. You don't donate $10 million to, to a hospital in Montreal where you're not from, if you're, you know, a jerk. And I think, I think, people have to really dig in. Like, why do I not like PK? Why does PK bother me? You know, not you guys, but, but I'm saying like, like really dig into that. You know, there's something there that you don't like about this guy. It's not cause he's not a good player Played an Olympic team, he's Pretty good. World juniors, like want a gold, want a gold, you know, like he's a pretty good player. What don't you like about him? And so I think, I think that's uh I will tell you what has been kind of uniquely uh, unique for me is being able to sit at a hockey rink and people don't know, don't think you know what's going on and listening to parents really, and to people. It's crazy. They don't think, you know, if I don't have a CC or pick a school I'm working at, you know, in prep school and they, they just think I'm some guy watching hockey who doesn't really know anything. You can learn a lot. (laughs) You can learn a lot so it's uh it's it's funny you know I I can't get away with that as much in Minnesota I could do that for the first year I was there they're like Who's this guy and then they figured me out a little bit but it's uh <laughs> it's it's uh it's a crazy time but I'm I'm hopeful uh you know you people are attacking this issue I mean you guys are uh you know I've done an unbelievable job with your podcast but you're not afraid maybe four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe you wouldn't address this topic or some of the other stuff that you're going to address on your podcast. Like that doesn't, that traditionally had didn't happen in hockey culture. So we're addressing it. We're talking about it. It's a start. It's awesome. Well, I I think going, going along with that too,
0: like, I do have to say, I mean, this is the most before a podcast, like this is the most nervous I've been in terms of talking in a podcast form with you guys, because, you know, you you don't want to sound insensitive. You don't want to sound one way or the other, whatever kind of thing. But at the end of the day, like we have to talk about it. This is uncomfortable. Like, I was nervous because I was uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable thing to talk about because you don't want to be labeled a racist or you don't want to be labeled this or that or the other thing or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think it's time and, and, and I applaud everybody that's speaking out. And again, like we talked, it is kind of the thing to do right now, but the people that actually put thought into it and put their words and, and, uh, and share their feelings, whether you're black, white, green, red, you know, whatever, the fact that we're having honest discussion about it now, I think it goes a long way. And when you come back to education and perspective and um, hopefully that can be like the, the, just like you said, Leah. like we're talking about it Mm. as uncomfortable as it is, we're, we're talking about it and we're, we're extending our hand to say, Hey, I want to be empathetic here. What are you going through? I want to, I want to learn. I want to know more. And I just, we need to do more of that.
1: Yeah, I it, listen. It's it's there. There are a lot of great young uh, players of all colors now. Um, it's fun for me to watch and you know see a, see a game and like see these kids flying around the rink and you know it's you, you, I want them to ultimately feel comfortable and and uh, you know we didn't really talk about it but he put out a statement too which is which resonated with me as well was Kandri Miller and. Like, I feel terrible for this kid. He's an amazing kid. I don't know him really well, but I I dealt with him a little bit at some national camps and stuff. He's a fantastic kid. And uh, the stuff he went through with the Rangers, like, online was crazy. And he's from Minneapolis. (laughs) What is going on, like, for that kid, you know, just starting his pro career, like, I feel for him, and I, and I think you know. Again, he's got a really good support system and, and people with him and and helping him. But y- you just be human, right? Like, how is he feeling right now? How you know? And he's multiracial, so and again, that resonated with me. I'm multiracial, so like sometimes the black community is like, "You play hockey, man. Like you're not black." And then like, my so <laughs> the white friends like, "You're a black guy." Like that that's a whole nother conversation we don't need to go down, but it's really hard. And I think, and I think it's really difficult to, to navigate those worlds, um, you know, uh, as a player. And, and, and again, mental health and I heard somebody talk about, you know, you know, racism is a mental health issue because it's how you feel and how you treat other people and, and how you feel about yourself. That's a huge piece to that and uh and again I'm not a mental health you know professional at all by any means uh but uh, but it, but it is like it, this this stuff's draining like I, I'm trying to figure out my penalty kill and I'm like I don't have the energy right now you know and that's all I want to work on is just you know I've told a lot of guys a lot of coaches that I've talked to have just, I've said you know I would just love to be sitting at a cold rink watching a hockey game Trying to find some players and uh you know, but we gotta go after this stuff.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I think um part of part of our jobs in and, and one of the things that really struck me, Leon, of, of what you talked about um on your Twitter statement is the the conversation that you have with your kids. Hmm. And um you know, we want to leave the next generation better than where our generation is at right now when it comes to all of this stuff, you know, and, and, uh, being a a parent myself, I'm not quite at that level. My kids are three and and under one. So these aren't conversations that we're having, but I would imagine that there are a lot of parents, a lot of white parents out there that are like, I don't know how to approach this with my kids you know yeah. like this is such a serious thing and, and I want my kids to be these empathetic people um you know how how were those conversations with your kids and and you you mentioned a little bit how you approached it but like that's I think that's a huge part of us as parents our job to to make our world a better place is the education of our kids to to be able to have that empathy and stuff so how how did you kind of
1: navigate that situation with your own right and and you've actually said it like you hate's taught right so let's not teach him that right and <laughs> i think that's one of the biggest things like with my kids it's it's enjoy- so to have two boys and one of them uh you know they're multiracial kids and one of them if they walked in the rink with the hockey bag you'd think this is like a white kid and uh, the other guy's got some curly hair he's got a little bit of the afro and he's got you know some more physical characteristics and so what the one of the biggest things I said to to my oldest son um, is, you know, you may be in a situation, and and this happens a lot uh, of uh, for you know, multiracial families where the you know one whoever's in the majority could be in a situation where they hear something or somebody makes a joke or a comment, and people have no idea who their partner is or their kids, and it's one of those terrible, tough situations. Right. So I said to my, you know, my son, I said, you could be in a locker room and somebody could they'll look at you and maybe they won't think that your dad's black. If I'm not, if I'm, I travel all the time, so I'm not there as much as I want to be at all the use, stuff. And somebody could say something or a parent could say something. And, you know, you gotta, we gotta talk through how you handle that because uh, you know, running over and cross-checking them with your stick is not going to be the right answer. Uh, so you got to have a mental and kind of a tougher approach to that to say, hey, that's not OK. You know, and if you got to dig in a little bit deeper and say, hey, my dad's black, you know, or something like that. And so I think those are some of the conversations I've started to have. Um, I think the systemic racism stuff is really tough to explain to a kid, but you got to do it. You know, I, I basically I, I said, you know, imagine going to a school where, you know, you didn't have books and things like that to learn and to do all the things that you know you're lucky enough to have and so that's something kind of tangible for a kid for me there are a lot of kids in the country and and, in a lot of places and and, in a lot of these situations they could be um people of color black students in these traditional kind of black neighborhoods underfunded underprivileged areas they don't have that. So that's a system that's slowing their progress. Can they get through it? Can they work through it? Sure. But again, talk about being on second base or even third base versus trying to get the hit, trying to get on base. Your bat's broken and you're trying to get a hit. And I think that's what that's the conversation I've tried to have with my kid. Um, we're lucky. You know, my wife has a great job. I got a great job. And so we're, we're okay. And he's had... He's been lucky to go to some great schools, but that still doesn't matter in some cases for some people, and that's what we're trying to get at. Like you know, um, you know, it's it, it is what it is, and he, you know, and, and I think kids don't understand that because to what we've talked about, they're not taught that that it's innate for them to go and they go to a park and they want to play. They don't care who they play with, and. Um, you know, it's amazing just to watch kids play. Like they, they figure it out and, you know, you throw them in a rink, throw them on the ice, like they figure it out. And, and we have to take that power and take that conversation. And that's what we have to continue to, to push our kids. And, and again, I'm not an expert on this. And so I wouldn't know what the best conversation really for a, a white parent to say to a white, uh, their, their white child. Um, but it's, you got to have a conversation. I would say that and try and start that. And, uh, you know, I had a call from one of my buddies, NHL scout and his, you know, he said, you know, what you wrote, obviously it, it, it you know, it, it, touched a nerve. He goes, but my, you know, my son's six and his best friend's black. And, and uh, like right now, it's not, it's not an issue. Like, it's not, I don't think about anything, but I was thinking about, I hope they're best friends for the next 10 years. That means somebody's going to car, you know, their, their, their driver's license what's going to happen if things don't change? And my kid's now in this car and this, there's a terrible, you know, incident in the car, he gets pulled over. And so I think people, when you put yourself again, in these scenarios, in, in other people's shoes and and really try and understand it from that, I think that's huge. Um, And I'm impressed that people are having that, you know, calling me and going, Hey, this is what I'm thinking, man. Like, this is this is brutal or this has to stop because like they've personalized it for themselves. And we all know when we make it personal, it, it, it becomes a little bit more important. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, my wife and I had a conversation. We were in a car five hours today and we were talking about how, you know, we live in a town, it's a small town in central New York and like very few people of color live in our town. And mm-hmm. we're like, okay, if very few people of color live in our town, like how can we teach our kids you know, that this stuff is going on and how to be empathetic and stuff. And you know, we look at it and we evaluate the stuff, and it's like, you know, my daughter doesn't have any dolls of people of color. Yeah. You know, that's probably something we should do. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's nice too. I mean, the books that we read and stuff, like, I think a lot of books and literature is a lot more um, thoughtful in terms of making sure there's people of every ethnicity and color in those books. So they're kind of seeing that from that kind of thing. But, you know, it's just those kind of like little things that we can do to to help educate our youth so that when those situations ar- uh, arise, because, you know, if we live in this town, my daughters might not meet somebody of a person of color until they're 10 or 12 or they they leave our little bubble right here and that's that's an issue like that's that's a problem
1: and um and i I think too like i've told our guys just like you grow up where you grow up and if if you don't have like a a black best friend that's okay like that's not what this is about but (laughs) you find a way to to make a connection especially you know if you're in a high school or college you, you we got all kinds of different people there right like try and do something different listen to a different speaker really listen um you know do something different get yourself out of your comfort zone so that you can learn something and I think the more you learn uh the if you have the luxury and the ability to travel and see other places I mean that's what pro hockey was amazing like they're I would have never went to Beaumont, Texas. I never would have went to Houston. Like, yeah, I'm never going to those places. And, you know, meeting people down there shaped, you know, different opinions and viewpoints and living in Columbia and, you know, and being up in New York, like, it's just, that, that stuff's so helpful. So hockey, you have the luxury of traveling to a tournament, like try and do something else maybe at that tournament, like, I know you got 16 games in two days, but like try and do something different, go to the arches, you know, you go to St. Louis, like figure out, learn something, you know, what it, what does it mean that they're there and in, in the, you know, different communities that are around there, like you can do these things to help yourself be better while not, um, you know, risking losing games, you know, when you're, you know, you're playing youth hockey, like these kids go to some pretty cool places. Like you go to a hockey tournament in Detroit, I know you can learn something. You 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 can't like there are yeah. places to go, um, things to do. So I think uh, taking those opportunities is huge. And and uh, you know what I've always told our guys. Again, we have predominantly I an mean, all-white team. We have a couple Asian players on our team, but you know I I, don't, I tell them like you can't apologize for your situation, but you can uh, find ways to get better, work harder at it, be more open um and engage people positively to learn something about their experience and 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 connect those things yeah yeah for sure
0: well i mean one of i think the biggest things that resonated with me as you've been talking here is you know when this stuff does happen the support that you got from from your teammates and and um you know, I think that's, you look at that at like a micro level with you just specifically as an individual and your team of 20 guys or whatever it was, you know, I think that's, that's something that we can, as a society right now, we can do at a macro level too, and just be there for people and and understand and, and, or try, try to understand and, and uh, support. And if we can do that, I mean, you know, we, we could make that change that needs to happen. It's much more complicated than a simple statement like that. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, you talk about voting and, and just all the things that we can do to to try and change it. But um at the end of the day, I think the, I get just be a good human, be a good teammate, you know, mm-hmm. be a good teammate, be a good human. I think if we come at it from that lens, I think we can, we can start to be that change that we want to see. For sure so well leon this is awesome i mean this is such a great conversation such a needed conversation um you're a good human (laughs) (laughs) Human. i
1: I really appreciate your work i remember when you 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 guys started this and i was like man that's going to be a lot and that's you you guys have taken it run with it had amazing people on it uh taken on hard topics uh fun topics and and even your breakdown of stuff and pp pk stuff is awesome we all all look at it and listen to it and and uh so i applaud you for your work it's 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 awesome vex and and TOF. so you've done a really good job so but i appreciate thanks for having me on here thanks for coming on man keeping a good human
0: both you guys and uh i'm hopefully we'll see you guys in a rink soon cripes done with these zoom meetings
1: (laughs) i have zoom burn as they say
2: (laughs) (laughs) i got the cb
0: (laughs) Uh, All right, guys, we'll talk to you later.